Good morning and welcome to Gaten Online as we gather large and we worship together so we can connect small and grow deeper uh, as a family and worshiping God. My name is Mike Bailey and we are so excited that you've joined us this morning. Uh, this past week on Wednesday, we gathered as a family on Zoom and uh, we affirmed our budget for the new year, so we're very excited about that. And we also affirmed some new leadership in the church and we're excited for them to join us as we uh, attempt to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. And, and so I want to thank all of those that participated and also I'm, I'm looking forward to our new leadership as, as they're joining in our existing leadership as we're moving forward as a church. I did want to mention that our servant leader Leadership Council, if you're not familiar, if you're just checking us out or you're new to Gaten, that is our, our leadership team that helps cast vision and helps uh, keep things organized in our church. And so uh, we have three new members, Carl Enters, Mary Beth Essex, and Doug Hall. I'm excited to be working with them as they lead here at Gaten. Also, our Agape Space Quest Board. At our church, we have um, a preschool that meets during the school year, and we also have after-school program and a summer program, and we're very excited to have Angela Agee joining that team as um, they are working so diligently to serve our community. We also have a stewardship task group. That's the group that looks over our finances. Uh, we have joining the group Jim Carney, Steve Jones, and Kathy, Kathy Woodring. And then also our human resources task group, Todd Fuller and Jill Vaughn will be joining that, along with our missions council, Susan Eads, Catherine Enters, Keith Morawski, and Christy Thataconda. And we're so excited for these new leaders. We're looking forward to what God's going to do in the, in the upcoming months and years as he leads us. And we are the body of Christ. Even though we're gathering online, we are still Christ's body, and it's made up of different parts. And of that, of that body, uh, we are called to, to be in unity, working together and following uh, the calling of God in our lives. And, and we've been going over this study as we're looking at uh, quarantine Christianity and we've been listening to James, who's really been challenging us to, to take those steps forward. And in James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to becoming angry. And I think it's important now for us to listen and to be encouraged and support our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the things I plan to do as we move forward is introduce you to those in our church uh, that God's speaking to them and, and working in their lives and and giving us an opportunity to get to know them and, and how God is using them. And so uh, what I'd like to share with you is a conversation I had uh, with two uh, members of our church. Uh, one is our youth pastor, David Giles, and the other uh, is an active member of our church. He's been part of our church for 20 years, uh, Eric um, Perkins. He is also a small business owner and a lawyer here in the area. And we're going to be discussing how we can be involved in racial reconciliation, how the church can be actively um, participating in our community and, and making a difference and being salt and light during this time. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and show that and listen to uh, what God's speaking to their hearts and their lives. Well, thank you guys so much for being part of this conversation um, here with Eric Perkins and David Giles. And um, Giles, and I know that this is something that we talk about quite a bit, um, but definitely want to have uh, your perspective. Uh, what is the significance to you of the moment we're in in our country. All right, and um, before we you know, start, yeah. I appreciate your um, inviting us to the conversation. And I want to say that I don't, obviously don't speak for all uh, black people, um, but I you know, do have a perspective and um, talk to a lot of different friends and 
based on some of those conversations, this is kind of some of the things that I've gleaned. But um, but to answer your question, I <laughs> I think the, the the ultimate answer is to be determined. Um, I'm not sure that um, we are in a place right now to say um, exactly what the significance is going to be, what the long term is going to be. I will say that, um, you know, uh, we are being in an election year that's this does you know present advantages for, you know, different parties and that sort of thing. So um, you can see how um, this this these uh, racial tension, how the racial tension can be skewed and used. Um, what the outcome is going to be, um, that that's to be determined. I think we have um, some responsibility to, to um, act appropriately and accordingly to make sure we have lasting um, um, significant changes in the future. Uh, and the reason why I say that, um, the reason why I have some hesitancy is because if we think about, you know, historically, there have been situations where our country um, seemed to be moving forward in um in, in the in the area of race relations, I mean, right after the Civil War, the time of Reconstruction was a was an amazing opportunity that um, saw a lot of change. I mean, there were it quickly changed after the Reconstruction because of the fact that um, you know the, the 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 tensions died down, and it's from the supporters in the North, and then right after that, it was followed by you know Jim Crow. So uh, my my hope is that. Um, this is um, not just a a cycle of events. It's not just a flash in the pan, um, you know, um, series of events that that are happening. And we can, in, in fact, look at addressing the you know the the uh, the racialization of our nation, and not just these specific events. And Eric, I know that you're you're well connected into this as well. What are your thoughts on the significance of this moment? in our country? I think we're at a tipping point in our society, uh, in, thanks in part to uh, technology and social media. You know, over the past few months in particular, we have uh, seen up close and personal uh, racism at its worst in America. Uh, we have witnessed uh, innocent lives being extinguished before our very eyes at the hands of, of racism, hatred, and abuse of power. Uh, the, the imagery has been uh, so profoundly uh, shocking and uh, powerful that it has hit us in the face like a ton of bricks and caused uh, many people um, to stop and, and, and think uh, very deeply, uh, some perhaps for the first time, uh, and caused other people just to stand up and say, enough is enough. We are in the United States of America in the year 2020. This should not be happening. This is not who we want to be as a nation. And working together, we can uh, pursue solutions to the systemic problem of, of racism in our country. And through leveraging the benefits of technology and social media, we now have uh, unprecedented uh, transparency, uh, the ability to hold people, including ourselves, accountable for what we say and do. 
we have the ability to access information uh, for awareness and to educate ourselves uh, unlike ever before. And uh, finally, uh, a benefit of, of the technology we have today, we can communicate and collaborate and organize uh, almost instantaneously into a wider uh, audience than ever before. So with the public sentiment that we, we see and, and feel today, along with these resources, I, I, I'm very optimistic that through the, the tragedy and, and the suffering that so many feel from these horrific instances over the past few months, we are poised to uh, see and participate in meaningful, uh, positive and sustainable change in the coming months and years. Yeah, and I know, Giles, along those lines, you and I have talked about, you know, how this affects the individual and then how does this affect us as a church and then the church, the big C church of, of, of the world that, that Jesus has established. What are your thoughts of the significance of this moment for the church and how the church should be involved? You know, Eric was talking about how, you know, social media, and I want to touch on that before I hit this next question, because it kind of ties in. There is a, a an opportunity for individuals as well as the, the collective country to to educate themselves, to um, to really address these issues. And, you know, social media um, for, for good, good, bad and indifferent, um, it, it, it does put things in your face that um, normally we did not historically, we have not had uh, access to. And um, so uh, like he was mentioning these, um, you know, the, the, you know, murder of George Floyd and um, Ahmaud Arbery and those things that it, it was in our face. It's undeniable. We see it. And, and we have to, to ask ourselves, what are we going to do as a, as a country? But we also have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do individually? And as we look at that individually, you know, there's a, couple of concerns that, um, you know, I think our white population and our black population have to ask ourselves, you know, um, if you think about historically how, um, you know, media portrays the, the different cultures, you know, um, typically there's a, there's a, um, a fear or, 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 and of, from white folks of, of African-Americans, there's a potential guilt and there's potential prejudices in those situations and we have to address that. Um, and as far as black folks, we have to uh, look at the, the, uh, the oppression that, we've, that we're sensing and the injustices and we have to ask ourselves, will, are we willing to, to forgive um, if those things um, come to fruition? If the, if the forgiveness is asked, are we willing to, to, um, to say, yes, we do forgive and move forward? Um, the significance for the, for the church is um, if we think about this, this is not really a, a skin problem. It's a sin problem. I don't know who I stole that from, but um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to give you credit for that. So I'm going to have to take credit for it. But, you know, what we're really talking about, we're really talking about um, justices in, in, in our country. And a um, couple uh, things to look at. First of all, I want to look at uh, Acts 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their of their dwelling place. You know, it's basically saying that we are all from Adam, essentially. So we're all essentially one nation. We're all one race. Um, I think that that's not an excuse for us to be colorblind because ultimately we ended up just how God wanted us. So um, 
But to think that once we appreciate and we understand the the um, the beauty and the um, the significance and the the relevance of each uh, each race, then we we must understand that we're also under the same umbrella. We're we're God's children. So if we think about from from that, if we look at justice from that standpoint, then um, it's it's no uh, wonder why you know when Paul is writing to Timothy in in Second um, Timothy two nineteen, he says. Um, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And iniquity in that sense is, is talking about, um, you know, injustices. Everyone who, who calls on the name of God, who sees themselves as his people, his race, so to speak, as we just established, then, you know, then we, we need to seek justice for, for everyone. And if folks are um, being uh, if if there is oppression, if there is um, you know injustices that we see, then we are we have a, a a call to to stand up for those injustices on behalf of of who God is and who we are in God, and um, so um, so we have we have we've woven all throughout the the scriptures a a, a command to to seek justice because we serve a just God. And we are to be like him. And um, and I think from that, you know, three points is um, that come out of that for me is admission, submission and, you know, being able to commit, admitting that, you know, there was a wrong that happened. There is oppression in our in our country. There is there is racism. There is um, on an individual and a systemic level. There's a racial our culture in and of itself. The U.S. culture is a racialized culture. Um, and. We have to admit that if we're going to move forward and um, and then there is a, a submission that, you know, we need to you know submit ourselves, first of all, to God and then, you know, to one of us, to one another um, to to want the best for each and every person and then committing to relationships that we don't yet have. There is a, you know, a moving from our comfort zone to to be in places that, um, you know, if if I am African-American, if I'm black, then going to places that where it's not predominantly black or if I'm, you know, in places that are, you know, West End suburbia, I move to urban areas, not necessarily move to those areas, but go in those areas and not just for service projects and, and, you know, um, skew the, uh, the, the perception of authority in that, that way, but to, to live, work and play in those, in those areas. And I think um, as we continue to do that, if we do that, as we walk humbly, as Michael mentions, then I think we will see some really significant movement in our church for long-term, long-lasting change that we can, you know, we can be a proud of. Yeah. And I think, you know, just that commitment that it's not a one-time thing that, you know, building those relationships and being intentional, getting out of our comfort zones, all part of that process. Eric, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, how do you see the church uh, in the significance of this moment getting involved I feel that as Christians, we are uniquely positioned uh, to play a meaningful role in, in this movement, um, starting off with the notion that, that God loves all of us. Uh, he shows no partiality. Uh, so by that, we know that, that racism is, is wrong and should be rejected in, in all of its forms by Christians. Uh, we also know that we're all sinners. 
Um, and, and, and that's okay. You know, the path to salvation as a Christian, if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, is that he died for the forgiveness of our sins. So it's okay to accept that we are sinners, to confess and admit uh, when we make mistakes, when we've committed sin, uh, and, and that we will be forgiven uh, for those sins as we move forward conducting ourselves in accordance with God's word and trying to find ways to uh, utilize our God-given gifts in a way that glorifies him, that's where we have the opportunity to stand up for what's right, to promote racial equality in our community. And I think that's where uh, we are called as Christians to not only participate, but but arguably be leaders uh, in, in this effort. Now, the question I'm getting from a lot of people, you know, and I think even in my own heart, just recognizing the importance of being salt and light, being active, getting engaged. Um, Giles, what would you say to someone as they say, now, what can I do? How can I get involved? What are some ways I can be active in this? Retrospect retrospection is probably the the first place we all should start and and ask ourselves the tough questions you know how does how does race affect my day-to-day living and um and if you say that race does not then that i think that that is a red flag that um maybe we need to do more of that uh, committing to to relationships outside of ourselves and if you say that, you know, it doesn't affect me, then it's going to be very hard for you to hear someone who it does affect every day because, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, when when I walk out of my house, I, I'm, I'm wearing this skin. So it, it's a part of who I am. So I'm going to be affected by it because I am in a minority. Uh, the next thing is, I think, is uh, is education. I think there are, there's quite a few um you know, resources that are out there right now that, that folks can, can look into and, um, and get information for a book that I'm reading right now is called, um, divided by faith. That is an amazing book. It talks about the, uh, evangelical church and how, um, you know, race kind of shaped, you know, the way that, um, we do church even, even today. And, um, you know, another good resource is be the bridge, um, and that is a uh, by a Christian author who is who talks about um, what it means to uh, to be a white ally. And that is a, a study that you can grab a, a handful of friends with and, you know, create an honest and open space. The white ally toolkit um, camped is the David camped. Um, another really good one is um, race um, kingdom of God. And uh, I can't I always mess up the name of it, but it's from Arabon, um, David Bailey, and he's right here in Richmond. And um, that is a really good um, good resource as well. And it's something that you can bring folks to and have real conversations around what's happening. Yeah, excellent. All right. Eric, do you have some your thoughts on how we can get involved and what can people do as they're watching and listening to this? Yeah, I, I think as a starting point, uh, just to stop and, and think, um, you know, I'm really grateful to Giles for, for reaching out to me and inviting me to participate in this discussion because it, it was gave me uh, the, the, the incentive and opportunity to do something I haven't done in, in, in far too long, uh, embarrassingly enough, and that's just to stop and think 
you know, this has been a, a catalyst for me to realize that just sitting back passively and uh, trying to be a good person and treating people um, equally uh, with the same level of respect and, and dignity, regardless of, of the color of their skin, uh, what they do for a living, where they live, et cetera, um, just isn't enough um, to, to be an active participant in making the world a better place. You got to step up and uh, take action. So I'm grateful for that. Um, after you think, I think it's important to pray and ask uh, for guidance as to how, um, you know, I can use what talents and, and gifts I have in a productive way to, to, to be a participant in, in the process and to, and to collaborate with others um, in pursuit of, of positive change. Um, communicate, just, just having discussions with people like this. Uh, with your friends and, and, and family and uh, colleagues, just you know, uh, sharing experiences and just asking questions, uh, getting other people's um, thoughts and, and, and viewpoints. It uh, through communication uh, comes uh, action, which is the next step. Uh, it's important, I think, to collaborate and take action. Um, there's a, there's a synergy that's difficult to measure, but it, you will accomplish far more working together with other people than you're, you will ever be able to do by yourself. Um, and from that point, uh, I think you just go back and repeat steps one through five to make it sustainable. And uh, you know, this is, this is not a crash diet or something we're going to, we can talk about for, for a few days or a few weeks and, wash our hands of it. Uh, this is something that requires time and, and commitment and, and perseverance. Well, I appreciate both you guys taking the time to share with us. I think as we look at the history of the church, God has always called the church to take a stand and, and to be engaged and to be part of uh, shining his light and his truth into the world. Thank you guys for taking this moment to share with us. Um, so as we move forward, you'll see more from the church. Um, but this is, this is a beginning spot for us, and, and we want to continue to be faithful to the Lord. So thank you, guys. I appreciate your input and your feedback this morning. Well, I'm so thankful for Eric and Giles sharing their heart and sharing what God's been speaking to them. And I think it, there's some areas where we can learn and grow. And I'm looking forward to how God's going to use us in this way to be salt and light in, our, in this time in our community and uh, as we continue this study, I know we're coming to the end of it. Actually, next week we'll be concluding uh, Quarantine Christianity. And we are working on uh, returning to the building. And we have some updates for you there that you can check on our website. But I think it's important that as we look at this, this book of James and we recognize that James was speaking directly to the, the, the followers of Christ. He was speaking to the church. And he was encouraging us to follow the ways of, of Christ and to be faithful in the time we have. And so uh, in, in these few moments, I would like to share with you just the uh, James 4, verses 13 through 17, and, and live into some of these discussions we've had already. As we look at James, the context here is, is James is on fire for the Lord. He's a leader. He's, a, he's someone that's, that's really establishing some powerful truths for that first church there in Jerusalem. And, and we know that James established that and helped uh, make that uh, a viable church uh, for the time that, that it was at that place for 70 years. And so we are, we're looking at these, this, 
this book that has such power and meanings to so many people. And James is really building this case that we can't just claim Christ without any real works in our life. That, that to be saved is to be saved into a family and that family is, is action-oriented and love-oriented and truth-oriented. And, and he lives into that here in verses 13 through 17 in, in chapter 4. It says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You know, I was reading that, and I'm sure for most of us, we we could really relate to this right now as, you know, two or three months ago, we had no idea what the future was going to hold. But I think even beyond that, as we look at our lives and we look past just within the last three months, we look back five, ten years. Did our lives really turn out or have, has our life really worked out the way we've planned it? Has everything really laid out the way we wanted it to? And, and I think for most of us, we would agree that a lot of things have happened that, that we didn't um, foresee, or we did not plan, or we did not know where it was going to happen. And I think there's a lot of truth that James is trying to say, look, we really don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know how, what things will change and what events will take place. And so he's living into this idea of, of focusing on the Lord. And he says, what is life? You're a mist that appears for a very little while and then vanishes. And as I read this, I reflect on the fact that James, not too far after writing this, was, was um, put to death because of his, his faith, because of his leadership in the church. And church history says that he was either stoned or he was thrown from the precipice in, in the temple. But however he came to an end, his life was ended shortly after writing these things. Um, and it impacts us today. And it makes a difference because he was so uh, passionate about what he was saying. And he's saying, look, we're here for such a short amount of time. Let's make sure in that short amount of time that we get it right. That our relationship with God is established through Christ. That in Christ we are salt and light in the world. And that we're making um, the difference that he calls us and created us to make. And then he concludes with this in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say... If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasts, boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And so as we look at, at what James is saying, he's talking about this idea of sin and that uh, for many of us, we see sin as, as something I intentionally do that I know is, is going against God. And the, and the way I understand it is God created me with the capacity to sin, but not with the intention of sinning. And that every time I sin, I'm going against my created purpose. And, and, and we live into that concept and we understand that concept in, in, in the Christian world, in the, the philosophical world of Christianity. We call this the sin of commission, where we are sinning intentionally. We know we're doing it and we do it anyway. But James is bringing up another issue here, and this is an issue that maybe uh, we haven't seen or, or focused on, but it's called the sin of omission, that when we see something that we know God wants us to do and, and we don't do anything, that that, in fact, is sin. And as I look at Scripture, I, I look at the story of Esther, and if you haven't read the, the story of Esther, there's a book in the Bible in the Old Testament about it. It's an amazing book. I would encourage you to read it. But in it, Esther is put in a position where um, she can save her people, but she has to risk her own life. And her uncle who raised her, Mordecai, he has this powerful statement to her. He says, I'm not sure um, why God put you where he did, but possibly he put you there for such a time as this. And so today as a church and as individuals, perhaps we live at this time for such a time as this. And perhaps God is placing on your heart a calling. 
one of the things I, I look at that story and I see Mordecai, when he found out that his people would be put to death, the first thing he do, did was put on sackcloth and prayed fervently to the Lord for, we're told, three days. And I think for us in the time that we're living, we have to allow God to speak into our hearts. I believe it starts with us getting serious about prayer and, and not talking to God, but listening to God much more and, and asking God how we can be salt and light during this time. And so I don't know what God is saying to you, but I do know he will speak to you if you ask. And so as we come into this final part of our services, we worship God through singing and through giving of our tithes and offerings. Uh, my prayer for you would be that you listen to what God says to you and that we're obedient in that. Well, we'd be obedient individually, that we'd be obedient as a church. And so whatever God would have you give so we can partner together to be salt and light as a church. If you're watching this and a friend invited you or you're just checking us out, we have uh, no obligation. We don't have any expectation for you to give. We want to be, you to be encouraged. We want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. But we have an important time that we live in. And, in this, and as a church and as followers of Christ, there is so much need for light and salt and for us to be engaged. Let him speak to your heart now as we sing.